Good morning. Today we'll be reading from Romans chapter 15, verses 4 to 13. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you might with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the people exult him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Thank you. Thanks, Noel. For those that don't know me, my name is Chris Cullen. It's a privilege to serve as one of the pastors here at WDBC. And it's great to be able to have the opportunity to share God's word with you. We're doing a series at the moment called Reading Romans Backwards. It's uh, informed by the book by Scott McKnight of the same name. And really the, the purpose of the series in looking at Romans, in, I mean, it's always great to look at God's word, isn't it? But in terms of going backwards is so that we start where Paul talks about the family of God. And he, uh, it, it's really helpful for us to consider the context to which the book of Romans is written. So that's what we're doing. Today's message is called Vision for Christian Community. And uh, this is the series overview. So we're sort of taking chapters 12 to 16 roughly, in one segment, then chapters 9 to 11, 1 to 4, and then 5 to 8. Uh, this is the third message in the series, which is Vision for Christian Community. Now, just to recap, in week one we talked about how God's peace was commended to the people, and Romans 16 describes the community that the, the letter was sent to. It is about 26 different names, Jews and Gentiles, a whole lot of different people in there and we're told that the new community, God's community, is diverse, it has unity and there's the hospitality of the church and those are unique ways that this is a community that is different to your local club. Last week we looked at the way back to peace. We saw that uh, a church without peace has forgotten three truths about its identity in Jesus, that we are only accepted by the work of Jesus, that we are only accountable, we are each accountable to Jesus for his judgment and we are interconnected with one another through God's spirit. And we were reminded the big idea last week was that we forfeit peace 
when we forget that the church is not about us, it's about Jesus. So vision for Christian community. Um, the subtitle of our whole series is Forming the Transformed Community. And just as we get underway with today's message, it'd be great for us to spend a moment in prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask as we think about what your word has to say to us that we might open our minds to hear and our hearts to respond to what you are saying. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the big idea of today's passage, and uh, it's, a, it's a passage that's sort of maybe not a normal sort of little segment, but the big idea is that the church is called, is a community that is called to peace. Now, you might reword that uh, with the, the verses in uh, verse 6. Let me just find my place in the scriptures. Here we go. In verse 6, and I think this is one of the, the key phrases of this whole passage, we read that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're called to be a community of peace. We're called to come together with one voice. Now, the thing that you might ask, the big question is, what stops us? from glorifying God together. You could reword that as what divides us that should not divide us. Or can we differ on some matters? Just some background. Again, thinking about last week in Romans chapter 14, we, we have there's tension in the church in Rome. There's two different uh, sort of groups of people. There's the weak who were probably mostly Jewish Christians, recently returned to Rome because they'd been expelled from Rome previously, but now they'd come back under a new emperor. They were likely poorer because of having been expelled and come back. They were exiles, they were refugees, and they had a desire to keep the Jewish dietary practices. The strong were Gentile Christians who'd never left Rome and so they were more established in society. They had power and they had wealth and they embraced liberty from the Jewish religious traditions. And in Romans chapter 14, we see that Paul is noting that the weak were passing judgment on the strong. Now, it sounds a bit weird, isn't it? But the, the weak in Paul's estimation were those who felt that they must follow the Jewish food laws and, so, and the Jewish Sabbath laws, those sorts of things. And they were passing judgment on those who did not. Now, I wonder if you could ever think of that ever happening in the church, that someone in the church would pass judgment on someone else. Hmm. I remember growing up, and I've just... I've just leaned on this thing. So I remember growing up uh, at a fairly conservative Baptist church. And I grew up in a family where we didn't drink alcohol. 
And it was a general expectation, I think, in the church that I grew up in, that you wouldn't drink alcohol. And if someone did, there was really, you know, an unspoken sense of judgment. Hmm. So, but Paul is characterizing those who follow these stricter practices as the weak. And he's saying they're passing judgment on those who are willing to eat anything and who do not observe the Sabbath, who, who do not feel bound by the Sabbath laws. Okay, but the strong, they were despising the ones who didn't eat and who felt bound by the Sabbath law. And so there was conflict that was dividing the church. Paul encourages the weak to stop passing judgment and he encourages the strong not to despise the weak and not to put a stumbling block in their way. And in actual fact, that whole section about not putting a stumbling block in their way, there's a lot more said about that. So who, who is Paul? Where, where, does, where does Paul sit? Paul actually was Jewish, remember? And so you might think that he sat with those who observed the Jewish laws on eating and Sabbath and so on. But Paul, in the passages, identifies himself with the strong. He says, we have freedom from these things. But as one who is on that side of the fence, he says, but we must not put a stumbling block in the way of others who hold this position. Okay, so that's all just background to today's message, right? Uh, and don't worry, just because there's no clock at the back today for some reason, I'm not going to go forever. Um, but it would, I don't know if you're possible to... Oh, thanks, Dan, you're so good. Hey, they've got a clock for me up in the corner of the screen at the back. I was looking at the, the red one, but yeah, okay, thank you. <laughs> all right. Today's message, if we look at this passage from Romans 15, verses 4 to 13, um, look, I spent a lot of time, and I, I can show you later if you're at all interested, the mess of me trying to conceptualize where this was going. I, I was on my computer trying to type things down. It wasn't working. I thought, I've got to go visual. So I got out my iPad and I started drawing things, and what I ended up sort of coming to was that there's a, a series of, uh, of, and circular argument is the wrong term, because if I use the word circular argument, you think I'm going around and around in circles, but um, I, I came across, and this wasn't in preparation for today, but a, a week or two ago, I don't know how, I came across this video on YouTube, um, and you can search for it and look for it yourself at some point in time, but you know Hot Wheels cars? Right, okay, so on a Hot Wheels track, there's this little thing called a, like I think it's called a boost accelerator or something, and it's a little machine that when the, the car goes through it, it gives it an extra bit of boost, right? And there's this, there's some people, and if you want to find the video on YouTube, you search for Hot Wheels Particle Accelerator. All right, now, does anyone know what a particle accelerator is? 
There's a famous one that's been built in France that's like 19 miles across. It's the biggest particle accelerator in the world and they're trying to do things with atomic energy and, and so on. So someone's decided with their Hot Wheels set to build a Hot Wheels particle accelerator and they've got this thing and normally Hot Wheels track is sort of flat but what they ended up doing was they, they put it on its side and they created a loop out of it and they've got these booster things around the side so that you've got the Hot Wheels car going around and, and every you know, little bit of track it gets another boost and it gets faster and faster and faster until it's going so fast that it's, there's that sort of, um, it's a visual trick where it looks like it's going backwards because it's going so fast, right? So, okay. That's an illustration to me of what's going on in this passage because you're going round and round in circles which are, and I've called them spiritual hope accelerators, right? Because there's ideas that go round that they're sort of, um, there's little accelerators around the circle that get you going faster and faster, and there's a series of these spiritual hope accelerators in this passage. One in verse 4, verses 5 to 6, 7, verses 8 to 12, and verse 13. Um, now, with, is Janelle here? She's not here? Oh, she's in kids' ministry. With great apology to Janelle, because she does all of our wonderful church graphics, which are always very good. But the only way I could figure out to try and graphically or visually represent what's going on here with these spiritual hope accelerators was a poor graphic okay so this is my poor graphic please don't judge Janelle for it because it's my fault but okay here we go verse four all right verse four for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. Okay, so what was written in former days? That's scripture, right? And that was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope, all right? So here we're going around the circle, and these things, the scripture, the instruction, the endurance, the encouragement of scripture, and the hope that gets us moving in a spiritual journey it fires us up and and let me tell you when you look at scripture and when you examine it as a person it does give you instruction it does give you encouragement it helps you to endure in life and that gives you hope so that's that's a pretty good little spiritual accelerator there this is where things started to get complicated because it's not as in my head this is not a series of individual circles but it's things that's sort of like nested circles concentric circles confused okay um, <laughs> I hope this makes sense all right so scripture instruction endurance encouragement hope now in verse 13 at the end of the passage we're looking at today it says may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So hope is not something that we create in ourselves. Hope is not something that I'm going to stir up myself to hope more. Hope is something that God gives us. 
He instills it in us. He is the God of hope. So that's why God's at the top there. Now, I put God in black because, well, he's the ultimate. The other things, uh, to try and give you an idea of which loop they're in, are in different colors. So verse 13 loop is in green, right? He's the God of hope in green. What we read going on in verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Oh, by the way, if you're watching online, I apologize that this graphic is going to take the whole screen probably. And my apologies to my camera operator, but I couldn't figure out a way to get it all on screen and leave room for the video part. Anyway, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Now, joy and peace. So in my head, the bit that encounters us is at the bottom of the circle, right? That's where we get instruction, endurance, encouragement, where we find joy and peace. The bit on the right of the circle is where God is doing his work. All right? So, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Now, we believe in Christ. And so, that sort of comes before the joy and peace. So, if you want joy and peace in your life, you have to believe in Jesus. And by believing in Jesus, the God of hope gives you joy and peace. And then by the power of the Holy Spirit, you overflow with hope. I love that. In the ESV, it says, you may abound in hope. But some of the other translations have overflow with hope. And I think that's more the sense of the biblical word. Wouldn't it be great in your life, in the drudgeries of every day, to be overflowing with hope. Yeah? So, that's verse 13. It gets more complicated. Okay, verses 5 and 6. May the God of endurance and encouragement. So, earlier on we were told that the scriptures would help us with our endurance and encouragement. But now we learn that he's the God of endurance and encouragement. So God gives us the, the ability, he gives us the fortitude, the perseverance to endure, and he gives us encouragement to do that. He does it through the scriptures. And we read, and I've lost my spot. Where am I? Oh, there. I've, sorry. Um, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony. So it comes down to the bottom. Live in harmony. Such harmony that are in accord with Christ Jesus. So back to what Jesus has done. Harmony with one another comes from what Jesus has done. It's in accordance with what Jesus has done. We can have harmony and it's not godly. Right? You know, I was, I was listening to, you know, to something recently and they were talking about a whole stack of people that believed that churches should be segregated, that African Americans shouldn't be in the same church as white people. 
They were in harmony with one another. They were in accord with one another, but they were not in accord with Jesus. And so the God of endurance and encouragement, he wants to grant us to live in harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. And the result of that is that with one that together you may with one voice, verse 6, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Glorify God with one voice. Now this is the exact issue that the church in Rome was facing. Because they had some Christians who were mainly of Jewish background who wanted to observe the, the laws about eating, the kosher laws. And they had some Christians who were mainly of Gentile background who felt freedom from that. And so they weren't even eating with one another. You know, food and family, after church on a Sunday afternoon, they weren't eating with one another because those that were eating the kosher foods didn't want to associate with those who were not, who were eating whatever food they felt that they wanted to. God, the God of endurance and encouragement, wants us to live in harmony with one another, in accordance with Christ, so that we might glorify God with one voice. Okay, verse 7. I'm trying to keep this moving reasonably quickly so we don't get bogged down here. All right, verse 7. It's just a short one. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So we welcome. We're encouraged to welcome each other. And that welcoming that we give to one another down the bottom there, that welcoming is because Christ has welcomed us. And we do that for God's glory. Did you ever think about that? That when you come to church and you're welcoming to someone, that that is for God's glory? That when you welcome someone that maybe is different to you? Older folk, I can't tell you how much it means to children if you take an interest in them and welcome them to church. If you take the time to get to know them and to know their name. Now I know it's hard in a big church. I'm still trying to get to know the names of all of our children. But when we welcome one another in the church, that is to the glory of God. When you welcome someone that's different from you, when you welcome someone who's of a different ethnicity, when you welcome someone who's of a different gender, when you welcome someone who has different theological views to you, when we welcome one another as Christ welcomed us, that's for the glory of God. All right, enough of my terrible diagrams. 
verses 8 to 12 is sort of like a, a long one, and I've, I'd run out of room there on that diagram anyway, so I didn't diagram this. Okay, but at the beginning of verse 8 we read, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, so that's to the Jewish nation, to Israel. Christ became a servant to Israel to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. All right, so a little bit of history Way, way back, the first of the patriarchs is Abraham. And when God called Abraham, he gave him a promise. And in Genesis 12, um, verses 2 and 3, we read the promise that God gave to Abraham. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, the Jewish people had an understanding that God had chosen them. And he did. But God chose them that all families of the earth might be blessed. And so, what Paul is doing here in verses 8 to 12 is he's reminding them of that promise. And he's showing them how through the Old Testament scriptures, time and time again, the blessing of God to all people, Jews and Gentiles, was part of what God had promised to the patriarchs. I think it's pretty emphatic because there's four different quotes here from the Old Testament. You know, if, if Paula was trying to make a point and he used one quote from the Old Testament, you'd think, okay, he's, he's made a point. If he was making a point and he used two quotes from the Old Testament, you'd think, oh, this is pretty important. He's used four quotes from the Old Testament to show people that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile. And to the church at Rome to say to them, Jews and Gentiles together, everyone who is part of the church should come together with one voice to glorify God. Now, I'm not going to go in detail into these. I've put the, the spots there. If you're one of these people that likes to research things, I know I, I still see people occasionally getting their phone out and taking a photograph of the slides in church. You can get them an easier way. Scan the QR code on the back of your seat and you can go and get the sermon slides there. But when you look at these passages, it's not 100% clear in all Bibles that it's talking about the Gentiles. Sometimes it uses the phrase nations. And uh, Paul was quite likely, in a lot of instances, using the Greek translation of the Hebrew, which is known as the Septuagint. If that's too complicated for you, um, I apologise um, and don't, it's not that important. But if, if you're going back to those verses, you say, well, I don't think this is a promise to the Gentiles. You have to dig a little deeper to see it. Um, but the nations is generally associated with those who are not the Jews. And so that's the Gentiles. So the whole point of all this 
is that Paul is saying to the church in Rome, yes, there are things about which there can be differences, but there needs to be unity in our diversity so that together with one voice, we glorify God. Okay. So I've called these sort of concentric circles um, particle, what, what, was, what was it? Spiritual hope accelerators. Spiritual hope accelerators. It builds our hope. But the key here is that we're called to be a community at peace with one another. I wonder what the takeaways for us are at Windsor District Baptist Church in 2013. It may be that there are some among us who, for scriptural reason, do or don't eat certain foods. Like was happening in the church at Rome. That ought not to divide us. It may be that there are some who practice different Sabbath day practices. I, uh, many years ago when I was in a, a non-Christian workplace, I, I was working and there was a gentleman in that workplace called Robert who was, uh, he was a Seventh-day Adventist. And they're very, they're, they're quite uh, strict with their eating laws. They, they follow some of the Old Testament eating laws, so most Seventh-day Adventists are vegetarians. And they worship on a Saturday because they believe that's the Sabbath. But we were able to have fellowship with one another and pray with one another and talk about the Scriptures and talk about Christ as our Saviour because those differences in understanding and in belief are not enough to divide us. Consuming alcohol, I mentioned that earlier. There's plenty of people, Christians, who consume alcohol responsibly, and that's okay. Jesus turned water into wine, not into grape juice. In the last couple of years, approach to vaccines. Man, that's been a contentious issue in our culture and our society, hasn't it? And in some churches. And you know what? Doesn't matter whether you're an anti-vaxxer or you've had five doses of the COVID vaccine. This is an issue about which there ought to be in church the allowance for people to have diverse opinions but we can still come together to praise our God in unity music preference in church I know I've heard people say oh, I'm glad we're past the music wars the music wars of the 80s and 90s I don't know are we past the music wars for some people they don't even know what the music wars are that's great. <laughs> you know, but we can have differences of opinion. You know, if, if we had the sort of music that I like, it, it's pretty heavy. 
the drums would be loud and there'd be about three electric guitars. Aren't you glad that we don't have the music I like? <laughs> but this is an area in which there can be diversity. But we come together. And God wants us to come together in praise and honor and worship to him. Church governance. You know, you might say, well, yeah, Baptist churches do it one way and Presbyterian churches and Anglican churches, they do it a different way. Even within Baptist churches, there can be diversity. Jonathan and I were, and Warren were at a conference uh, last week and uh, the guy who's the senior pastor of Crossway Baptist uh, in answering a question in the Q&A about Baptist church governance, you know, the, and for those that don't know, the idea of Baptist church governance is that Ultimately, we believe that uh, as a church that God reveals himself to individual people, that we can all hear the voice of God, that we are all priests, a priesthood of all believers. And so Baptist church governance comes back to what they call congregational government. But in his congregation, their church meeting has a quorum of seven. The church is the church of thousands. That's because as a church, they've decided that they're going to entrust their leadership to take most of the decisions. And the only things that the church decides is the approval of the annual budget and the appointment of the senior pastor. Now that's very different to the way some Baptist churches run. Some Baptist churches, every single decision goes to the Baptist church, goes to the congregation. I, I've been in a Baptist church where what color are we going to paint that wall in the church hall was decided at a congregational meeting where the color of the, the background of the church sign was discussed at a church meeting. And that's okay. There can be differences of opinion in how we run church, but we can still be united in loving and serving and following and praising and giving glory to God. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay, and I'll raise this last one because this is a pertinent issue for our church. The role of women in the church. We've been talking for several years now and we haven't gotten very far with it but our elders are currently in the process of you know really exploring what is God saying to us what does God say in his word and you know what there's a lot of churches that split up over this and the strongest possible terms I want to encourage us do not let this be an issue about which we split as a church. There can be unity in diversity. It requires us, like Paul is encouraging the strong and the weak not to pass judgment on one another, 
nor to despise one another. And we ought not to put stumbling blocks into the way of others. And that means that as God's people, it's more important for us to forego our own opinion sometimes to maintain unity. The church is a community called to peace. That together with one voice, we might glorify God. I had the opportunity probably sometime last year, might be six or nine months ago, um, had a couple of people come to my door one day who were from the Jehovah's Witnesses. And out of a desire to show them the love of Jesus, I tried to engage with them in conversation. I, I wasn't ready to have that conversation then and there, so I said, could we meet maybe in a week's time at a coffee shop and talk? So we did that. And we, we talked for well over an hour, and there wasn't a lot of... <laughs> Uh, there wasn't a lot of consensus on anything. Um, and I knew that that would probably be the case going into the conversation because they have uh, what is uh, an unscriptural view on the, the deity of Jesus Christ. So I didn't think I was going to be able to change their mind on that particular issue. And I don't know why I brought it up because a lot of the conversation wasn't pre-planned in my head because I didn't know what to plan for. But I just felt like it was God brought it to my mind uh, close to the end of the conversation when it was clear that we were going to have to just go our separate ways um, and that there wasn't going to be any further meeting or conversation beyond that. And I don't know why God brought it to my mind but... I felt urged to say to them, are there any things in your church about which you can have differences of opinion? And they said, no. And I said, well, what about the issue of the role of women in the church? I said, because I have many Baptist friends, other Baptist pastors who have a different perspective on that than I have. And in good faith reading the scriptures, we can come to different positions on that particular issue. And they said, no, no, it's very clear what the Bible says about the role of women, and, and they had their perspective. And I said, so it's not possible in your church for two people to read the scriptures and under God to come to a, a different understanding of what God is saying about a particular thing. And they said, no. And I don't know whether it was burning bridges. I'm not claiming it was a prophetic moment. But I just felt that I needed to say to them, you know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like a cult. And in the church of God, Paul is saying it is possible for there to be differences of opinion about whether you eat kosher foods or not, whether you, you know, hold to the Sabbath day as holy or not. 
but we can still have those differences of opinion and come together under Christ to glorify God. And so my strong challenge to us is that we read the scriptures, that we see what God is saying to us, that we pray with discernment for where there are issues that there can be differences of opinion. And we understand when there are things that we must stand on. And there are things that we must stand on. Paul is not asking us to be united in error. But where there are differences, we can still love one another. We can still honour one another. We can still put the needs of one another above our own and come together with one voice to glorify God. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask that we might be a transformed community that we might be a community of love a community where the peace of God reigns a community where you are glorified and we pray it in Jesus name Amen